Hey guys, really quick before we start the show, there's two ways you could support this show, and you can do them both by going to ComedyLOL.com. The first one is there's an Amazon link at the top of the page there, ComedyLOL.com. You do all your shopping, and it helps us out. We get a portion of that. And then you can click Donate, and then give us some money. Please enjoy. What? Hear what I say. We are the business today. Function is finished today. RT and J. Need a new PB and J. We dropped the classic today. What? We did a tablet of acid today. The choice with the matches and ashes away. Hey. We dash away. Donna and Dixon, the pistol is rattling away. Doctors of death. Um, so give me an idea. So you have a. What's your show about? Just give me a quick idea. Oh. Classical literature examined with a you know military lens. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I I went to St. John's College when I got out of the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. um, which is a great books college. So we just sit around and read Plato and Aristotle and talk about it. Um, wow, that's yeah. That's and a lot then, different than my upbringing. <laughs> than my and then graduated it or graduated and was just like hey what do you guys need for me i'm going to become an alumnus so you know what can i do for the college and they just said hey we'd like to get more military folks um so we started doing free seminars for military uh on like local bases in dc and then it turned into online seminars and then it turned into a podcast and online seminars so Wow. All right. Well, it sounds like we're actually already podcasting or you're recording you said right <laughs> yeah I'm so i guess recording. i guess we'll just keep it going i like to sometimes come in a little funny places um we're talking here with brian wilson everybody that's listening to my podcast this is the brandon bonanza and um say hi brian (laughs) hey brandon thanks for having me on yeah no no doubt man um and we actually have something common we were both in the marine corps and we noticed this through another web uh, another podcast that we listened to and we had some um we have some interests that are very similar but it looks like you kind of went a different route so what year were you in the marine corps uh, 2000 to 2013. 2000, 2013. And what was your MOS? I was an 0204 counterintelligence human intelligence officer. Wow. That sounds very, so give me an idea of what you can actually talk about. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, we, I, my, my fig leaf is fully removed. Um, as we used to say in that business. Uh, so basically I ran sources. Um, so that would basically mean, you know, people that are giving us confidential information about the enemy, mm-hmm. uh, and did interrogations oh all right yeah have you ever talked about that on a podcast at all i mean i I allude to it in my podcast combat and classics you can check it out on itunes and stitcher uh uh you know we we talk about it just because it kind of like it's it's what got me to kind of where i am now with running a podcast and you know offering the seminars through combat and classics because you know here i am sitting in iraq which is my last deployment uh in 2005 i'm outside of fallujah and then um chasing around abu musab zarqawi and you know there's iraqis that are that i'm dealing with every day who are risking their lives uh to try to help out you know u.s forces and trying to uh you know they think and we think keep their you know people safe uh and then there's other iraqis who are their neighbors that are trying to kill us and so this question of, you know, what is, what is this nature of man thing? What is this uh, nature of man as far as conflict and cooperation? Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up at St. John's and how we ended up starting the Combat and Classics podcast and seminars. 
that's a really I, I really like that uh, the path that you took because most people that go, especially into academia or anything like that, they don't really come through the military path. Yeah, it's 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 a little rare, and I mean, I I try to you know, I, I'm I'm far from an academic, you know. Like part of it is like I really enjoy doing like we the way that we do things is like we literally for our combat classes podcasts and seminars we'll read something and then just talk about it. And we limit ourselves to just that text. And so the last, the last pod we did was on uh, an Anton Chekhov story called Rothschild's violin. And, you know, how this relates directly to military or politics, like, I don't even know, but, you know, great literature kind of holds up a mirror to the human condition, which I also think like standup does. That's why I was really yeah. excited to talk to you because like standup does the same thing. It points out oh, the yeah. truths or at least alludes alludes to the truths of human nature that you know or, a lot or of it don't definitely want to talk about. at least tries to um, I think in the current climate we can get back to this but in the current climate it's really it's really tough <laughs> um, it actually I've uh, I don't know I guess I'm blaming it on this but I feel like I've been doing stand up a little less but um, over the past year but I've been getting back into it in the past few months really pretty hardcore because there's a lot of things that I want to talk about and there's a lot of things that you could point out to people it's so uh, I don't know. It, it's funny because there's all these, um, I don't know, just different things that are going on. Like we could talk about war and you just point out nuances or even in the elections. I mean, between uh, Trump and Clinton, you could just point out to whoever someone says they're a Trump supporter. You could just talk about the wars or if someone's a Clinton supporter. You could talk about just certain things and they just kind of glaze over and they want to, they don't want to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And then they, it, it, um, it really uh, divides the people. So I've been trying to find a way to make it really silly. I have a comedian who's a friend of mine, Pat Oates. I did a, um, a podcast with him just recently. And that's what his advice was. He's not really political or he doesn't really get involved. But he's like, listen, if you could just make it silly, because you're a silly person, you just make it silly so everyone can laugh. And then that's kind of what that's what um, starts the germ, I guess, in their, in their brain. It plants the seed of them starting to think about think about things in a different way because if you could laugh at something i believe that that's the first step to actually accepting it um but enough about <laughs> we got a short circuit there yeah their yeah rationale, yeah. right you have to and and the 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 worst way to do that is to say no that's not true yeah yeah you don't right. want to blow up their whole or, um, or argue with them you know their whole uh yeah their their yeah, identity their and like their navigation this, of where right? they are in the world sometimes i mean you could I don't know if that happened to you, but you could do that to somebody and then all of a sudden it just blows them out. And people don't really know how to react to that. And most times they, yeah. they just resort to, uh, you know, like uh, either yelling or uh, like picking sides, I would say, kind of go into like the normal what the oh, left yeah. or right would say. Um, but I, d I definitely want to I, <laughs> I have a, a ability to go off these tangents, but I want to get back to what you're saying about literature. And I really I I love how. Even if you go back into like, um, I've been getting into Jordan Peterson a lot lately. I don't know if you're familiar or if you, mm -hmm. and yep. Um, yep. the way that he talks about these stories. And I think there's so much hidden in these stories. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in podcasting also was a lot of the religious texts, but just literature in general. I mean, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think people these days, they just want to turn on TV and they just want to get their opinion from somebody else, and they kind of want to keep everything easy. And I, I really understand it because everything's coming at you so fast. You know, you have TV, you have the Internet, you have what everyone's telling you, 
and then you have to work 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. So it's, it's really tough to stay centered and to have like a, a, I don't know, like a basis of what's right and what's wrong and, and how to act in the world. Yeah. Well, I think it, I mean, for, for the things that we do and the stuff that we read, you know, it's a lot of Plato. Um, and you know, we did a, we did a podcast on the, the dialogue called the Gorgias, right? Um, and I know just, you know, gratuitous Plato name dropping on a, on a yeah. stand-up comedy. Oh, uh, we're all, don't worry. We're all podcasts. caught up on our Plato. Uh, so it's... Yeah, here, yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, it, that's what I tell people. I mean, I'm, I'm shooting your uh, listenership <laughs> through the roof right now because everybody tunes in yeah. for Plato discussions. Um, and that's what I told all my friends when I was starting this podcast. I'm like, I'm just trying to get into that sweet, <laughs> sweet, you know, military classical literature, you know, podcast yeah, you bubble know, going on people. right now. I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to cash in. You know, I'm just going to cash in on that, you know. Um, but there's this great kind of aside in the Gorgias where Socrates uh, asks Alcibiades when Alcibiades makes some statement. And he says, so did you discover that or did somebody tell you? You know, Alcibiades just says something mm -hmm. and, and Socrates goes, okay. Did, did you discover that yourself or did somebody tell you? And there's just this kind of like questioning, like, what do you mean? <laughs> Everybody knows this. And he's like, okay, well, who did you hear it from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was your source? Uh, and so this is kind of where uh, a lot of conversations that I was having, you know, once I got off active duty and started kind of pursuing a more, uh, a wider readership mm -hmm. in politics uh, and, and reading guys like Mises and Hayek and Rothbard and uh, Frederick Douglass and that kind of thing and going, huh, okay, this is interesting. And I can't argue with it, you know, because they're actually like, you know, bringing, bringing out a lucid ideology that is based on concrete principles that they're either discovering or that they're pointing out, this is where I heard this from. And, you know, part of what got me on this kind of political tangent that I'm at right now is that I was, you know, a political addict uh, you know, from college all the way through, you know, the initial part of the Marine Corps, I would, when I was on leave in the Marine Corps, I'd play online poker and I'd watch C-SPAN, you know, I, and I, and this was before St. John's and, and I was, you know, kind of constantly like, okay, man, I, I got to understand what these guys are talking about. Cause I was like a lot of Marines. I was kind of yeah, team yeah. red, you know, I was a Republican as team red. Cause that's yeah. just what you do in your tribe. And, you know, I'd watch Don Rumsfeld's press conference mm -hmm. whenever I wasn't deployed on C-SPAN and see what's going on and, you know, laugh at those, those stupid liberals <laughs> and that kind of thing. And uh, I was like, man, I really got to understand this kind of conservative ideology because some of this stuff really makes sense. And I kept reading like conservative like books and I was just like, man, they don't really explain how they came up with this or where it's coming from. And then when I did get references to like John Locke or John Stuart Mill or something like that, I would read that. And I go, okay, this makes a lot of sense, but where, where did Grover Norquist get his stuff? Like, cause that's not in here. Like the stuff that he's referencing in JS Mill and Hume and this kind of stuff, that's not in there. You know, I don't see anything about gay marriage in <laughs> yeah. John Locke, you know? Um, so that turned me on to, you know, what you could guess call classical liberalism, right? And then just randomly, because I watched too much C-SPAN, I found the Cato Institute and, uh, you know, read David Bowes' Lib uh, mm -hmm. Libertarianism a Primer and, and read that and was like, oh, man, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and it was a foundational document. It, was, it pointed to basic truths about, you know, the human condition. And whenever it, you know, pointed something out, I was either like, this is discovered or yeah, this yeah. is where I got this. 
And then you could go back to the references and go, oh yeah, this is, this is exactly what it said in the references. And it all makes sense. It's a cogent whole. It makes sense in my mind. Um, and I, you know, like I'm sure you the same coming from the Marine Corps, like a lot of the stuff you're told, you're just supposed yeah. to press the, I mm-hmm. believe button. Uh, and then you get to a certain point and you go, what yeah, is this yeah. based on? <laughs> like, why, why is this happening? And so that kind of rabid skepticism, I think often leads folks to strange <laughs> yeah, political yeah. paradigms and, you know, I, I'm sure that your journey yeah, was, was um, similar. Th- my journey was much, much different, similar, but much different in a way. Um, I always come at it where I was, I think I was basically always a nonconformist, which is really weird that I ended up in the Marine Corps. But oh, I, I've got a great okay. nonconformist story. But so go ahead. I, I really <laughs> feel uh, growing up, I was always nonconformist. And then, um, but I just. I don't know. I, I could never really deal with school. I did well when I when I uh, applied myself. I did really well, but and I went to a lot of private school. And then when I got to high school, um, for the last couple of years, I went to a public school. And I just was it, it it was started off as way too easy for me, and then I just got into like all the wrong roads. So I, I managed to graduate high school, which is <laughs> which was a feat. I mean, like I said, it would have been really easy, but I was just I, I was interested in other things. Um, I was partying a little too much. One of my cousins passed away. It was just a really bad time. So I I managed to graduate, and I knew that if I went to college, I'm like, well, if I continue on this path, I'm probably just going to party. And I always had a lot of respect for the Marine Corps, and I always had a lot of respect for the military. Obviously, you know, I didn't know the whole story. So um, I chose the Marine Corps, which is weird because I would get calls from – you know, I just enlisted, but I would get calls from like the Air Force and stuff. And they're like, are you sure? Because I, I, I did pretty well in my ass up. They're like, are you sure you wanted the Marines? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's the hardest one. Let's let's go into this one. I actually have a joke where I, you can't, this is a podcast, but those of you who know me, when you look at me, um, people are just like, wait, you joined the Marines? <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what they said when I showed up. They're like, are you sure? Um, so I, I, I pretty much drank the Kool-Aid, I think, for maybe the first year. I was really into it. And then... Things, inconsistencies to me just are, are what really just pick at the back of my brain. So if, if for a while, you could just kind of uh, drum it down. But then after a while, things just start to pop up and then starts to happen. Then once I saw how, how it really operated in the Marine Corps um, as far as the way that they treat, I don't know if I really want to say. It doesn't it, – it's not it, – for people who aren't in the Marines, it's not really – there's no – there's no – there's never really a um, – you never really know what's going to happen. There's no stability, obviously, during the Marine Corps. And they really have no idea what they're doing. Like, one minute, they're like, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. So after a few years of that, and I was only in the air wing. I was just a mechanic. I mean, I, I had a really good time. I was in from 1994 to 1998. There wasn't a lot going on. We were supporting what was going on mostly in, in Bosnia, um, and I was on a carrier. So after I got out, I was kind of – I was still, you know, I would still tell everyone I had a great experience and it was, and I'm, I still even tell people this day I had a good time, but I think it was after I got out and then I just started getting to more history of it. And I, I, um, I got into Smedley Butler and I read his book and that was really, I was like, wow, I, I kind of saw and I'm like, oh, I could see kind of what's going on there. But I was more, I think because I'm, I live in Connecticut and where I am, I was more coming from the left side of it. Not that I was totally leftist. Mm-hmm. It was really hard for me. I've always really been on both sides that I thought because I've always been into owning guns. Um, my uncle was in the Marine Corps. He got me into owning guns. So I've always know how to shot. And then I went to the Marines. But afterwards, I just always had something different from every argument. And I got 
I don't know if I kind of got into more of the conspiratorial thing, but that didn't add up either. A lot of it, when you go down a lot of those rabbit holes, you know, I don't know if you know anything about Scott Horton or if you're, I'm sure you listen to him. Oh yeah. I yeah love Scott Scott he talks Horton about fan. all the conspiracies, which I love because that's kind of where I was investigating all those. Um, and then I came across, I think it was Ron Paul, right when he was running in 2008. That's kind of when I, I saw him. And I was mm-hmm. I was really similar where I was a political junkie, but I would, I would watch both sides and I was just fascinated to see what was going on. And I just kind of knew that both sides were a little bit full of shit on this or a little bit full of it on, on that. And then once I heard him talk and debate, and mm-hmm. then I got more into that and the libertarian thing, and everything was just so consistent and everything just added up. And it's kind of like... And that's where I find myself. Well, I I was I was really into that for a while, um, and then I feel like I got burned out. <laughs> and that's and then I started. That's yeah. when I started DJing. I think around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, right about a year after that. I just got burned out because it really seemed there's nothing I can do. I saw Obama coming into office, and I I understood why everyone wanted to vote for him because he was like, we're going to end these wars. You know, he's saying all these great things, mm-hmm. and I would tell people, listen, and this is already. By this time, I realized that both sides were kind of full of it. And I would tell people, listen, this is what's going to happen. He's going to get into office. And, you know, you just point out certain things. He's probably not going to – he said he's going to close Guantanamo. He's not going to do that. He's going to continue these wars. And then he goes in, and he basically does that. And then you say that to people, and they they don't – especially the Obama supporters. They're like, what happened to the wars, guys? And they're like, oh, well, you know, racism. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) How does that even (laughs) – so it's frustrating to me. And then I I really find – so I kind of just really got burned out of it, like I said. Um, and then this past election, I discovered Dave Smith's podcast. Part of the problem was um, I've actually, you oh, know, yeah. it's funny because when I started doing comedy, he came to a, a, a club that I was at, and I was an open micer, and I hosted a show that he was on. And I didn't realize it until I watched his special and heard the jokes. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I think I might even saw him at an open mic or two in, <laughs> uh, in New York. Um, so I got, I got back into that and then it was just hardcore from there. Um, and it, but it's tough for me because around here, there's not a lot of people that I can really talk to about these ideas. And it's the same type of thing. Like I was a great example is I was playing poker last night. You brought a poker. I was at Foxwoods and people were talking about Trump. And it's funny because at a poker table, I noticed that nobody will really talk about religion or politics, no matter what, because it just gets so heated up and everyone just wants to take everyone's money. Oh, yeah. But so this guy started talking <laughs> about Trump and a guy at the other end of the tables in the Navy. And I think he thought he was um, talking derogatory about Trump. He was talking shit about him. And the guy started flipping out. And I'm like, guys, mm-hmm. you're both on the same side. I'm like, what are you doing? You're arguing, but you're both <laughs> Trump supporters. And um where, where I wanted to bring it back to. So I would tell a lot of people that would support Obama and the Democrats, you know, a lot of my friends, and I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And then I see myself eight years later now getting back into it when Trump's coming into office. I go, oh, now I have all these friends on the right. I go, hey, guys, I know you love Trump, and I understand because I get, I really do get why people would want to vote for Donald Trump. Um, and I tell them, listen, that's great, but none of that's going to happen. And now that it's not happening, you know, he, doesn't, he didn't repeal Obamacare, um, he's you know, this tax plan is just, it's nothing he said. He said he was going to build this wall, all these things he was saying. But, and mm-hmm. it's funny when you talk to his critics, they're like, yeah, he's not doing anything. But when you talk to his supporters, they go, oh yeah, he's, he's doing everything he said. And I'm like, guys, I try to open yeah. this dialogue where I go, I understand you support Trump. 
and I realize on the left there's just this avalanche. Everything he does, they hate him for, everything. But what you really have to do, and I'm the guy going, but you should be critical of these little other things. And they're just like, shut up, we're trying to defend him <laughs> against all these accusations. And I'm like, no, I get it. You know, I get it. But it, it's really it, – it's. Well, I don't know. It, it's team. No, right? I mean, God red, bless red you for trying, man. Yeah. I, I've given <laughs> yeah. up. You know, I've completely given up. Like, I, I have no desire to change anybody's mind anymore. Like, it just, it, it is not worth it for me. Like, I went to, uh, so I, I lived in D.C. for 10 years, right? And D.C., it's, there's no Mets-Yankees rivalry. There's no Giants-Jets rivalry. It's Team Red versus Team Blue. And that's what everybody talks about, right? And so, uh, you know, I moved to Texas so uh, from about originally? a year ago uh, from Merlin, oh, right. as we pronounce it. In the woods uh, originally, in, oh, no, okay. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in the in the cow gotcha. fields in the woods <laughs> of Maryland, um, and uh, you know lived in D.C. the last ten years, and and I'm I'm I came to Dallas and was really just blown away at how it was much different than I thought it was going to be, uh, and then I remember when I officially moved uh, into my apartment, and it's like Tuesday night and it's beautiful. It's November. It's beautiful outside. I'm up by the pool doing some work. And I'm like, oh, I could get used to this. It's like almost 70. It's November. Like I'm by this beautiful pool at my incredibly cheap <laughs> apartment. Um, and I walk by uh, the TV room in my apartment and uh, it's packed. And I'm like, man, this is weird for like a Tuesday. <laughs> and, and then I look at the TV and I'm like, oh, oh, that election oh, yeah. thing is going on. Oh, and it was like pretty late at this point. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, this wasn't yeah. supposed to happen, you know? And so I walk in to the TV room because I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll check out the spectacle here. And I'm, li I'm literally wearing my Murray Rothbard T-shirt, right? So I've just got this big pink T-shirt with a bow tie that says Rothbard. Um, and I walk in and, you know, you can definitely see the team red, team blue dichotomy going on. And a guy who's very excited, who's, you know, obviously team red, literally turns to me. He's like, hey, man, you team red or team blue? <laughs> and I go, well, actually, I, I am none of the above. I'm an anarchist. <laughs> and he's like, that's cool. You want a Miller Lite? <laughs> and I was like, this this Dallas thing is okay. This is okay. Because I went back to D.C. shortly after that. And my buddy was having uh, a birthday party at the new casino that we have over there, uh, like right across the river in Maryland. So I'm over there, and I'm kind of hanging out with some of his friends. And one of his friends, you know, asked me, like, oh, you know, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I live in Dallas now. And she's like, oh, what, what made you move to Dallas? I'm like, I you know, job opportunity, work stuff. And, um, and she's like, do you like it? I'm like, I love it because nobody talks about politics. Nobody talks about politics. Nobody cares. Like there's some people that care, but most people don't care. You know, they're yeah. just here to like live their life. And so I tell her this. I'm like, yeah, nobody talks about politics. It's great. And without missing a beat, she goes, yeah, can you believe Trump with this, that, and the other thing? I'm like, what did I just say? What did I just yeah. say to you? It was like the reason I moved. And she just, it's DC, man. You're just sucked into that beast. And this is why, you know, for all of Rothbard's weird later, you know, I, I look at it as like the, you know, when John Lennon went solo and just put out yeah. some questionable singles, um, some of Rothbard's later writings. But he's got this beautiful thing, just, you know, this concept of individual secession, right? Where it's like, I'm not yeah, playing yeah. anymore, you know? So, you know, you're, you're, you're doing, you're doing amazing work, still trying to change people's minds. Uh, the, the, I, I, I waver between apathy and trolling, 
you know, and those are the only two like political things that I get into, unless I yeah, meet yeah. somebody like you, uh, who we have some common ground and we can just kind of like discuss Rothbard's B sides, uh, you know, like deep John Lennon fans and be like, Oh yeah, that last <laughs> album, that was weird. But he had that great synthesizer solo on track three, you know, but otherwise like I just, the point of it is not, it's just lost on most people because most people have their tribal identity uh, and they're not going to yeah, change their I, mind. I really also what I wanted to kind of do, and I'm not sure if it's going to be accomplished by this podcast, but um, or just in general, I kind of want to even with my comedy, I want to more I want to unite people together instead of dividing, because it seems that everything is just dividing, dividing, dividing. So I want to I want to unite people Basically against the government, really. is what. So when I tell these little jokes that I, I have, like, I, I, I tell a little joke about, and it's something that really happened. Was I was on an aircraft carrier, and I was standing with my friend who worked in ordinance, and we had a new shipment of bombs, and I guess they wheeled them by. And he's like, oh, those are the new laser-guided bombs. Those things are awesome. They hit within inches of their target. But we can't get rid of those till we use all these old bombs. <laughs> right? And he just said it nonchalantly. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> like, we got to use all these yeah, old bombs?" And then, totally and then sense. I was like, "When is the? Yeah. I've never known the government to be so efficient. You know, usually we just dump them <laughs> in the ocean." But um, well, they're really good at killing people. Yeah, so. yeah, they really yeah. are, and it's it's amazing to me how wide in the open it is, and it's happening, and you could see it, especially with the internet. But people still, they're on their red versus blue. When you start to talk to them about this stuff, they just glaze over. You know. You, they, <laughs> It's crazy. Well, I think you're right. Though. I mean, you know, you mentioned that yeah. you were a nonconformist, right? And I think there is something in that in the Marine Corps, right? I mean, you got guys like like Kokesh, you know, who does who does a very uncomfortable like Socratic dialogue with people all the time, and just yeah. is like, "Why do you believe that? Mm -hmm. You know, why do you believe that? Why do you believe that?" And it just it makes me uncomfortable. Like I'm trying <laughs> to watch, and I'm incredibly uncomfortable. I'm like, "Yes, you should, this is exactly the kind of questions you should be asking people when they're like." My vote is going towards killing people in Yemen. Yeah. yeah. Why, why do you believe that? Yeah. Why is that a good idea? I don't know, but the strong man says it's a good idea, so I have to yeah, you know, yeah. support the troops or whatever. And it's very uncomfortable. But there, I think that there is a strain in the Marine Corps that attracts nonconformists. So, like, you know, quick sidebar: I was at a terrorist training camp that I was going to in uh, that Blackwater was putting on, and some of our older members will remember Blackwater. I don't mm -hmm. know what they've rebranded as now, mm -hmm. but Eric Prince who's still in the political milieu, um, you know, was running a very successful mercenary company, um, you know, in the early to late aughts. And so they're running a course or they were hosting a course called uh, mirror image. <clears throat> and it was basically uh, a course for, you know, different government folks to go and learn how to be a terrorist. And it's, you know, get into their head, figure out how they're operating, uh, you know, to figure out how to dismantle it. It was a great course, you know, to go to right before rock. It, it mm -hmm. paid off huge. Um, but I, you know, there was a bunch of just weird people there. Nobody, you know, everybody just used their first names, you know, nobody wore like full uniform, very weird, you know, secret squirrel like crew. Right. And so me and my team had just, uh, successfully carried out a paintball, paintball assassination. assassination. And, uh, yeah, we're sitting, we're sitting on top of one of the berms, you know, afterwards. And this random dude, you know, just turns to me and starts, he's like, Hey, I'm Evan. Hey, I'm Brian. Um, you know, what, what's your deal? And I'm like, oh, I'm a Marine. I'm a CI guy, you know, getting ready to go to Iraq. Yeah. And this guy's like, oh man, I love the Marines. I was with the Marines in Iraq in the invasion. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, what's your gig? And he's like, oh, I'm a writer oh, wow. for Rolling Stone. Um, and I'm, you know, writing an article about this, you know, uh, about Blackwater and about, um, you know, mirror image. And, you know, he's like, I wrote a book called Generation Kill. 
uh, which David Simon turned into an HBO, you know, miniseries. And uh, he was a sweetheart of a guy because he's like, yeah, don't buy it. But, you know, you can get it at the library. Nobody's reading it. Uh, and, you know, he's just being very complimentary about the Marines. And I was like, man, we're just a bunch of, you know, we're just a misogynist gun club. We're just a bunch of brainwashed, you know, people with bad haircuts. And he's like, no. He's like, he's like the army, the Rangers, mm-hmm. those guys are brainwashed. And he like pointed at a guy who's standing like three feet away. And so like my social awkwardness is like, oh, like I'm all about like making fun of like this the other guy, services. Right. But this is a little weird. Yeah, and he's like, I've never met a bigger group of like punk rock anti-authoritarian, anti-authoritarian nonconformists mm-hmm. than the Marine Corps, and I, and I was just like, Yeah, I can't yeah. really argue with that, <laughs> you know. Like, there's definitely your belt-fed, you know, Marines, but there are some weird people oh, yeah, that yeah. end up in the Marine Corps, and I think that's where you get like yeah. a Smedley Butler, you know. You need you need the kind of punk rock nonconformist to be like, I need a tribe, I need to, uh, you know not have all of the freedom that I want because I will go crazy. Cause that was the same story, man. Like it was either, you know, get into the military yeah. or I was just going to party yeah. and go crazy. Um, and you know, the Marine Corps promises you that to promises you that degree of kind of control, which is attractive to some point until you got to go, all right, I can't handle this anymore. Because like you said, the contradictions, the contradictions drive you crazy. And it's the same with us foreign policy. You know, it's the same with, the promises that every president makes and then ends up breaking. Like they never follow through. And, you know, like Scott Horton's book, I just, I, I pulled it up just because, you know, I thought we were going to talk about it a little bit. And like, I love the fact that, you know, in his book, he, he just quotes Rumsfeld and Bush yeah, yeah. for most of the book. Yeah. He's like, this is what they said. Yeah. And then this is what happened. And you read it and it's like every paragraph is another quote from, you know, Bush saying, you know, in one paragraph, like we've got to, you know, we're going to kill Osama bin Laden. And then three months later, it's like, well, he's yeah, not really the most take important the Taliban. part of this. You know, we've got a, and it was just because they wanted to take down Iraq. They wanted to take down Syria and they wanted to take down Iran, you know? And so the, what they say, they, what they say their goals are change with the news cycle and they're going to go back on it yeah. and nobody's going to call them on it. Right. Because it's all spectacle. You know? Yeah. It's all a show. That's a part of democracy overall is just, be, you know, I get it from the book um, Democracy the God that Failed is basically that they're not people in charge aren't responsible they're not worried about the country in four, ten, eight, whatever years when they're not in charge of it they just basically want to get whatever they can for their constituents you know for the people that support them whatever they could do I guess for a legacy but they basically just use it as a money kind of making machine a power machine just use it up it's it's like a rental car if you want to I think as an analogy maybe I should even use this on stage where basically they just get in and they just go balls to the wall red line it wherever they have to go you know it's like you if you have a rental car and you just drive it 100 miles an hour everywhere you have to go with a mm-hmm. you know the heat on the windows down whatever mm-hmm. yeah it really and it's really yeah. really starting to show but back to the the marine corps thing i, re- I really like that also and I, I they um as you were saying that i started to think a little bit about who is that joined the marines and why and i think a lot of it is in the society, you know, the way we evolved as humans, mostly we were hunter-gatherers. We had something to do. We had a purpose. We had to, mm-hmm. you know, protect our group of people. We had to hunt. Whatever it was we had to do, we had to fight against the, the warring uh, or the, the, na- the tribal neighbors that we had. So I think in this society, mm-hmm. there really is none of that. If, you know, I guess if you get into sports or martial arts, it kind of gives you a little bit of that. So a lot of people look to the Marine Corps, and then if you have somebody, 
um, with different characteristics, like somebody that wants to take care of people, somebody that wants to protect people. And like you said, you get that discipline too. So it gives you that. And they really know how to, how to market that. And they really know how to suck you in. And also, like we were both saying, once they get you there, though, they really know how to, to use you for what you want. And it's kind of a shame. And that also, as I was thinking that when you were talking, it, it reminded me of when people talk about how if someone is anti-gun, it's kind of in this in range where if you tell people one of the reasons why you want to keep guns is because you want to protect yourself from the government, they're like, oh, that the government would just roll us over if they wanted to fight us. What are you kidding me? And I think that I don't think that the military, especially the Marine Corps overall, I don't think that would happen at all. I mean, I, I really if it ever I don't see it coming to that. But if it if it did come to that point, you know, the people in the Marine Corps and, and the the most of the people I talk to in the military overall are really on the side of the American people. They really think they're doing us a favor. You know, when people like last night we were talking about, everyone's like, thank you for your service. And that's another one I really don't know how to handle because mostly I played video games. <laughs> you know, um, you know, <laughs> we, we did fix some planes. There's some jobs, but some bombs dropped. So I really don't know how to handle that. But, um, so I, I think there's a way to, I just always tell people I got, I didn't have any, any yeah, yeah. That's, any a, that's another thing. I was like, well, you know, so, <laughs> um, but, I feel that that's a way that we that I could reach people that are in the military or or the Marine Corps specifically, you know. And, and I try to tell them that why did you join? You know, well, it also takes guys like well, it takes guys like you to kind yeah, of stand yeah. up and say it, right? You know, like my my podcast, yeah. we don't talk about mm-hmm. politics. You know, we just sit around and talk about literature. Like, hopefully, I'm opening up some minds as far as critical thinking and as far as contradiction because we talk about contradiction a lot. But I'm not, you know. The, the words Donald yeah, Trump yeah. never come out, right? It's because too polarizing, it's, it's not, it's not the, yeah. it's not the goal. It's polarizing. Um, and it's not, it's just not the goal of the podcast, but you know, I, this is, this is why, like I said, I respect <laughs> what you're trying to do, uh, in trying to start that conversation, but it also takes guys like you to mm-hmm. do it. Right. Because you've got the bona fides. You're like, no, yeah. I was in the Marine Corps. Like <laughs> I was, I was dropping yeah. bombs in Bosnia. Like I, I, you can't, you know, yeah. talk me out of this. Like I saw it. And it's, you know, it's the same for me. It's like, oh, <laughs> tell me more about all these countries we should invade. Because I was in Iraq twice. And, uh, like, it it was not going well. Uh, and why were we there again? Like, yellow yeah. cake. I don't, like, walk me through that. Like, so it's, it's you know, it takes, it takes guys with some experience to be able to even bring it up. Because most people are not going to do it. And if they do, they're going to be dismissed as, you know, not knowing what they talk about. So, yeah. You know, thanks hey, for that, doing you know, this, Brandon. That's all I'm saying. Thank, thank, thank you for your podcast. <laughs> See, then I could say you're welcome because I appreciate that. That that is that's what I love. It, it reminds me a little bit of Milo Yiannopoulos in the beginning because he could get away with saying things because he was gay. You know, where I kind of feel like because right. I was in the Marines, I could say that, and I I uh, I will say that to people too. When I'm a lot of times, if I do tell, I open up. I don't just say that I was in the Marines. I kind of. I'll, I'll say some kind of maybe either anti-government or anti-war or something. And then when people perk up, I'm like, oh, no, it's all right. I was in the Marines. I could say that. You know, like I, I have that right. <laughs> yeah. I was there. Yeah. And it changes their, it changes that interactive dynamic, right? Because, I mean, politics is always all, is all about mm-hmm. divide and conquer, right? And so if you can divide population with, honestly, issues that don't yeah. affect them at all, right? Like find hot button issues that people have a visceral reaction about that don't affect them really in any way whatsoever, like terrorism, uh, you know, bathtubs kill more people than terrorists and, and then just fire them up about it, man. And they'll, they'll come on one side or the other 
and you know, like Ron Paul says, most people are going to, you know, come out on the welfare warfare state. And like you were saying about, you know, leadership, like there's no incentive for people to not do what they're doing, which is try to get as much money as possible to people that they're connected with. It's the nature of government. It's the nature of politics is take money from people and give it to people who are politically connected. And the way to ensure that you can do that is by polarizing folks as much as is humanly possible, right? Because that's when the donations roll into mm -hmm. your campaign contributions. And that's where you can get more power in the Congress so that you can, you know, write whatever line in there you want to give money to whoever you want. Like that's the way the system works. And you can't, you know, you can't have an honest conversation with most people about that because they don't want to hear it because they have identified with their tribe and they're not going to listen to anybody else. And it's, you know, like in the Marine Corps, like when you, if you and I were sitting around in an aircraft carrier talking about how much the Marine Corps sucked, mm -hmm. there'd be no issues. Like there could be 30 Marines in there yeah, and everybody'd yeah. be like, yeah, that's cool. Second, second, an Air Force guy walks by or a Navy guy walks by or an Army guy walks by and is like fucking <laughs> Marines, like all 30 of us are going to jump yeah, up and yeah. kick the shit out of them. Right. It's yeah. like, you're not in our tribe. You're not allowed to do this. And so it's, you know, we, we do have a little bit of, you know, street cred and being able to talk, especially in the anti-war kind of position. But, you know, how much we're going to change people's minds on that. I mean, hopefully we do, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know if we are, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm just cashed in on this sweet, sweet <laughs> classical literature, military podcast wanna, money, you know, I can't wait till one that day individual session. I'm out. He was little and he, <laughs> and now he's running the world. <laughs> I mean, me, me and my 12 listeners. I mean, like, you know, what, why hasn't Casper <laughs> called me yet for those, for that sweet Rogan's going to be calling promo, you any day. You know? Like, Hey, I, I heard got, about you. Yeah. Where's oh, my Rogan awesome. call? All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. That was Brian Wilson. You can find him on Twitter at Brian PCF, or uh, you can find his podcast at combatandclassics.org. That's combatandclassics.org. And as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, you could support us by going to comedylol.com, clicking on the donate tab, or you can also support us by going to comedylol.com and clicking on the Amazon link on the top. Do all your shopping, whatever you buy doesn't cost you any more and then amazon gives us a kickback so we get a little bit there thanks for listening again and i actually um have another one coming up with brian and it's a little bit of a, a teaser here we talk about terrorism and what he thinks about terrorism and what causes it and what do you think we could do uh to stop it so check that out it's going to be coming out soon that's comedy lol.com thanks guys